I'm Karen Lewis, and welcome to Recovery Bites, a show that gets real about recovery, where we welcome voices in the field and voices of experience. Join me for candid interviews with experts in eating disorder and mental health recovery. Listeners can look forward to new perspectives, meaningful conversations, diverse connection, and compelling personal narratives that make a powerful difference in how we live. Episodes focus on life beyond recovery, the good and the not so good, the successes and the challenges, and the authentic accounts of recovered lives. Not their whole story, just bites. All right, everyone, here we go. My guest for today is Berenice Mertens. And wait till you all hear what she talks about. Berenice went from struggling from anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, overexercise, and then stopped everything and turned to yoga, which I know seems pretty extreme for some people, but it's a really incredible narrative. She is now a yoga therapist, helping people get back into their bodies for those who are afraid to be in it and to slow it down. So let's just jump right in. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Recovery Bites. I am honored and thrilled to be doing this episode because if you all knew or saw what happened as we were trying to get started, you would be very grateful this episode's being recorded. My guest for today is Berenice Mertens. Berenice, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Karen, for having me. I'm so grateful to be here and for this episode to happen. (laughs) I'm so grateful that you're here and all kidding aside, we are having some pretty big technical issues that by the way, just for any listeners, there's not one eating disorder behavior that would have resolved these technological issues. So welcome to being recovered. Things go wrong and you move through it. And we were also laughing, right? You get through things with humor. So Berenice, thank you for being part of it. Thank you for watching me as I tried to readjust the microphone and screws were falling out and everything. So here we are. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes, absolutely. So my name is Berenice. I am French. I am a 30-year-old young lady, and I traveled a lot. I've been living abroad in different countries, so Italy, the UK, Sweden, India, and now I'm based in Panama. So my story is a story of recovery. I started to diet when I was 16 years old, and it turned pretty bad. Um, It resulted in a good year of anorexia. And when my body could not handle the starvation anymore, I fell into bulimia, overeating, and then went on years of overeating, binging, purging, overexercising, any any other compensation behaviors to try to make up for that. Also orthorexia in the very end of my journey. 
and I hit rock bottom, I decided to recover. And on my journey, I discovered yoga, which was the missing piece of the recovery journey, I would say. After that, I finished studying, I started to work and I had a nine to five job, nine to five job um, working for the software industry. And although things were going pretty well, I felt very unfulfilled and I felt I had something more to share. I had a bigger purpose. I really wanted to share recovery and help women who were struggling like I did in the past. So I decided to go to India to complete a yoga teacher certification. I started to teach yoga to people. And yet I still had this profound desire to help women struggling with eating disorders. So that's why I became a yoga therapist specialized in eating disorders. There's, and I say this all the time, there's so many things I want to, I want to point out. And I, I think because I can already imagine clients are saying, especially those that struggle with overexercise or those who don't want to be in their body at all, yoga is not for me. Yoga is not going to work. Yoga is not. So I'm hearing you were somebody who, you know, abused exercise. And I, and I remember reading your very first yoga class. You were like, Mm-mm, this isn't for me yet you stuck with it. And so I guess I want to start there. What do you want to say to the people? And this is twofold. The ones that say, uh-uh, I need to run five miles. I need to this, I need to that. Or the ones that say, no way, I'm way too terrified to be in my body because that's what yoga does. Yeah, that's what yoga does. And that's scary. That's very uncomfortable. And I guess that's why I wanted to run away from the first class. Um, I was the person who was running 5k a day, you know, uh, no matter what the weather was. And I was just obsessed. It was my thing. It was my thrill. It was my excitement. Um, and I needed that. However, I realized that this behavior was wrong, that, okay, I had all the other behaviors, binging, purging and overeating and all of that, but running was not a good, a positive behavior neither. So instead of starting with the hard, hard things for me, such as stopping cold turkey, the Beijing purging, I told myself, okay, let's start to reduce running. You have to stop running. I had this inner wisdom telling me, stop running. So I followed the voice, you know, the wise voice, not the, not the ED voice. And I stopped running. It was excruciating. It was painful. I had all this, how can I say? overwhelm and too much energy and feeling just all over the place. And I had sort of to channelize this energy. And I was living in Sweden and so many people used to go to yoga. They're very into holistic health. And so many of my friends told me, you should go to yoga for your back. You're a runner. It's good to stretch. So I said, okay, there's, there are some yoga classes at the gym club, you know, I'm going to join. And that's how I started. And what I discovered, of course, that it was too slow for me. It was boring. I had the voice screaming in my head. What are you doing here? It's boring. You're losing your time. You're not even sweating or exercising or losing calories. The funny thing that happened is that I was sitting and I was really telling myself, okay, one more pose. And then I'm, I'm off. I'm out, you know? And suddenly the teacher said something. Maybe some of you don't feel comfortable right now. And maybe 
your ego, your mind is telling you that you should be somewhere else doing something else. And that's okay. And then I was like, oh my God, is she a minor reader? Or what's going on, you know? <laughs> so I stayed until the end of the class uh, as, challenges, as challenging as it was. I left, I promised myself I would never ever go to yoga and particularly to that class because it was not a normal yoga class. It was called Medi Yoga. So it was a mix of meditation and a very slow yoga for an hour and a half. And yet I had this inner wisdom one more time telling me, go back to yoga, go back to it. So that's how I just went to yoga again and again. And I tried different classes, different teachers. And I know that some types of yoga are not helpful. They can fuel the eating disorders, you know, this very dynamic Bikram hot yoga things. So I just was attracted to a more gentle paced Hatha yoga and also yoga for beginners because I didn't know anything about yoga and I was as flexible as a wood stick. So <laughs> it was a bit of a journey. What I experienced within three months of going to yoga was an improvement in my recovery. And also, as hard as it was, the feeling that I was just not living the life I was supposed to live, despite the fact that I was ticking all the boxes, you know, being young, having studied, having the career, the place, the relationship, whatever, I was just not happy. So I had this deep voice inside of me, and it felt that yoga was just not only reconnecting me to my body, but also to my soul, if that makes sense. It not only makes sense, you actually wrote in your paperwork that once I slowed down and stopped all I was doing, for example, counting calories, restricting exercise, etc., I got into my best mental, physical, and spiritual shape. Yeah. Talk about that, especially the spiritual space. And how do you work with clients doing? yoga therapy for eating disorders the spiritual aspect in recovery is huge for me i know that some people who are struggling can be a bit reticent or avoiding that or not believing in that what's what has planted the seed for spirituality truly is the 12-step program i started with and they talked about finding the God of your understanding and believing and having faith. And there was an aspect of me, a part of me that was like, yep, let's do it. Let's try. Even though, even though it fake, it, even though it felt like fake it until you make it in the start. So I really was praying and trying to connect to myself, but it felt really shallow and like, what's the use anyway? I did it day after day. And yoga just naturally reconnecting me to, to my inner self. We call it Brahman in yoga or Atman, the soul. And spirituality is part of my daily life. And it just happens and I feel it, you know, when I'm not connecting to this wiser self, the universe or whatever you believe in. I feel it because I'm much more frantic. I'm stressed. I'm back in my head. I'm planning. I'm overanalyzing. I'm... I'm starting to maybe have some eating disorder behaviors, very sneaky, but like counting calories or asking myself, like, did I eat enough or too much? Or, you know, like these little old behaviors I used to have. So I really feel like 
spirituality is living from my true self, my inner wise self, and trying my best. It's not perfect. I'm not enlightened. <laughs> you know, I'm a normal being, just trying to be my best every day, and connecting to this wider part of myself every day makes it easier. I read sometimes in the past that an eating disorder was just a cry for the soul to be heard. I think it was Janine Roth. And I feel that's what that was the case for me. And also for my clients, even though I'm not saying to them, you know, like, oh, we need to discover your spirituality and find your inner self and connect to it now, because I think they would be a bit scared <laughs> and puzzled. Um, so how I work with people with eating disorders, with yoga therapy, that was your second question, right? I just take people where they are on their journey. So be it anorexia or bulimia or overexercising, compulsive eating, because it's different. And at the same time, it's the same thing. So I meet them where they are. And let's take someone with anorexia, for example. I will make sure that it's something very gentle, that it's warm because anorexia will often feel cold and, and achy because we are we have more like bones you know like we are more bony so just making sure that it's something very comforting I don't go into too much movement um, it's very gentle and it's triggering for some people so that's why I love to work 101 because one yoga for anorexia is not the same as yoga for bulimia. So I just, one more time, have a plan for the session, what I think will be good. And during the session, I follow my intuition. I see how the person is reacting, how the person is moving, what seems to be going on for him or her on the yoga mat. And we co-create. I mean, you know, I check in with the patient, the client, I ask her or him how she's feeling and, and it's a co-creation. It's really creating the safe space for the person to feel comfortable enough to move and to try to reconnect to the body, which is really, really hard when you've never done that, when you've never been invited to do that. And we go very slow, step-by-step, step. Uh, no pushing, no, first, no forcing. I feel it's a place to build trust and that's what I try to create. And I would say I'm not doing anything during the sessions because I'm just a guide. I'm just witnessing them, just offering the space and guidance. But healing happens within them. I'm not healing them. They are healing themselves. And that's how I see my work. You are actually providing the most sacred space and you are holding them spiritually. You might not be holding them physically, but through your guidance, you're also supporting their struggles and they're, and they're moving through it. And so I, I'm going to have to have to challenge you when you say that you don't do much, but guide you, I, Berenice, I, I think what it is, 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 is incredible. It's, it's very powerful. Yeah. What has been sometimes, or how would you work with somebody who say through as a result of sexual trauma they do not want to be in their body their eating disorder whether it is restricting binging binging and purging whatever it is 
is because the last thing they want is to be in their body. How do you help somebody move through something like that? Well, my first thought is just to let them talk, you know, to put in words what they're going through and to just declutter their mind and just get it out. And then to, I would intuitively ask the lady, for example, to just take any pose that she likes, you know, what sort of movement you want to do right now? What does feel safe for you? And from observing that, just increasing little by little, always with her agreement, of course, we call it the window of tolerance in yoga therapy. And you're just increasing it little by little, uh, thanks to providing a safe and sacred space. And of course, there are many yoga positions I would not try, like downward facing dog or cat and cow, you know, having your hips going up and down, these kind of things. I would probably go for guided relaxations, you know, not too long in the start, starting maybe with five minutes, the person lying on the ground, if it's comfortable, if it's not, you can sit or you can even stand, but preferably sitting is the best. And guiding through the body, you know, the different body parts. And of course, seeing how the person is reacting to that. And always, always having a safe resource. Um, I always ask my clients to have a resource. So to tell me what's, where is the place, if they can visualize the people they are with, you know, what makes them feel happy, safe, so that when something happens, they feel highly triggered. They can just raise the hand and tell me, I need to go back to my resource. And then I get them. So, yeah. This is why people do not heal by just one modality. And yoga therapy is so similar, actually, to talk therapy, although you're using the body. And so, you know, when you talk about the window of tolerance and opening it slowly and safely for the client, that's exactly what we do in talk therapy. When you say, you know, we have them create an image of like, what is actually going to feel safe when you walk out of the room? And if you need a place to like, what is your safe place? You create the image. It's, it's such, it is such a beautiful marriage, the talk therapy and yoga therapy, because again, it's incorporating all of body, mind, and spirit with the, the ability to process and, and I just, I don't know. I, I just, I love it so, so, so much. I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. I'm just, yeah, I just feel it's a gift, you know, what you're doing or what I'm doing. And it's the best combination because when you're running out of words, I mean, you might have had the experience of people not being able to talk at all. Then I feel that's when you you are invited to bring them back to the body, you know? What are you feeling right now? Where is the sensation? Is it warm? Is it cold? And for me, it's marvelous what has been revealed on the yoga mat for people because it's just little momentums. But when you add these momentums one after the other, that's healing. And I have clients telling me the sessions we have together, it's the only moment I don't think of food you know I don't obsess about my body and it's such a gift and I tell them yeah and in a couple of months it's not going to be just one session with me it's going to be maybe one or two hours by yourself during your day 
and little by little it's going to increase. So I like the approach from Dr. Gabor Mate. Uh, I guess you know his work and he's talking about trauma and how everything is stored in the body. And I truly believe that the body has so much wisdom, so many secrets to reveal if you're open to that and open to listen. And of course, if you have someone to guide you, that's even easier. <laughs> I want to ask what you're referring to when, and this is a little bit of a turn, but it's still talking about yoga and the body. And I, and I apologize, I keep referring to your paperwork, but you you just wrote such beautiful stuff in it. You were talking about that for you, you rediscovered yourself on the yoga mat. Can you speak a little bit to that and what that was like for you and then how you now use it with your clients? I rediscovered myself because I rediscovered my true self without the layers of the mind, of the ego, of the disease. I rediscovered my body I was able to move my body, to connect with my breath, to be in the moment, to be guided by the teacher without obsessing of how I looked, um, if I would lose weight, or I don't know how to explain, actually. I think it's really something to experience. <laughs> but I was feeling my body for the first time. And by being challenged to do very small movements, even just simple wrist rotation, then you're like, oh, I have wrists and they exist. Yeah. Thank you, Riz. You know, I'm grateful for you. While in the eating disorders, it was all about the physical aspect, controlling, wanting to look a certain way, but not feeling my body. I don't know. Yeah. It's like the head was ruling and the body was just replying, answering. Healing, recovery for me is the other way around. I mean, of course, the head is still useful to control, to plan, to think. But the body also is being listened to and the body is guiding me. And I feel like I'm going backwards in this interview. Like I started large and now I'm going small into your into the, some more intimate details. You also talked about when you were 25 years old, you had this aha moment and it was at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Is that something you can share with listeners or what was happening? Yeah, absolutely. I'm so happy you asked this question because some people are not very open to, you know, this wake-up call or <laughs> stories. So I was 25 and I had started to go to a 12-step program for eating disorders. I had started to meditate, but very, you know, like here and there, not being, not sticking with it because as weird as it sounds, the eating disorders was threatened. Anything regarding, you know, like healing, yoga, meditation, looking for a therapist, I had massive resistance. So I guess that's why I had resistance to, to meditate. I had turned 25 and a month later, I just woke up at 2 a.m. at night and I cried. And I was in what is now child's pose. At that time, I didn't have any idea of what I was doing, you know, <laughs> I just did it intuitively. And I cried and I cried and... And I just started to talk, whisper, like, I cannot do this anymore. I need help. Please help me now. And I remember just, you know, having my hands in prayers and asking, please help me now. And I was not believing in anything. I was not spiritual. It was all about me, me, me. I know how to do ego. <laughs> um, 
And I woke up the following day and I thought like, oh, I had a nightmare last night. Uh, I dreamt that I was just crying and asking for help. And then I was questioning, did it really happen or, or was it a nightmare? And I looked down and I saw all the tissues of crying from the, the night. So I was like, hmm, okay, it really happened. And after that, something just clicked. I cannot explain. <laughs> I just started to, to be more accurate or to do more efforts to recover. I looked for help. I challenged the eating disorders behaviors. Uh, stopping to run was the first one and then yoga and then looking for help and having peer support, meditating, all of that. Yeah. You know, it reminds me when people say, when I hit rock bottom, that's when, or maybe my son, daughter, wife, husband put in the word, they need to hit rock bottom before they can. And I always say, first of all, rock bottom could be death. So I don't ever want anyone to go there. And that's a misconception. What happened to you that night was probably the first genuine, authentic release of emotions. You were in child's pose, which is also somewhat comforting. You were safe. You released so much from your tears and then surrendered, surrendered. to the process and to others and said, I need support. Yeah. So that's such a great story. You don't need to hit rock bottom. I cry in child's pose. That that's just as powerful, if not even more, right? Because at least then you're working with something. Yeah. Yeah, it was complete surrender for the first time in my life. I truly admitted that I was powerless, that I needed help, and that I couldn't do this any longer. I was done with eating disorders. But after that, it didn't get better. <laughs> so maybe it was just, you know, like a slow rock bottom. Uh, three months of not knowing what I was going to do. Three months of just being tired with my job and all of that. I also had one of the worst binging purging episode I ended up in hospital because I started to bleed so not fun um I lost my job and I just started to see little miracles on the path I was like you know what you lost the job because the company went bankrupt but maybe it's just the sign you were waiting for that you need to quit you need to start a new career journey I was tired of living in the Nord Nordic countries so it was just, everything was changing after that waking up call, yes. But I also want to point out that you didn't fall victim to the changes. And I think that's a really hard word for people to hear because I'm not blaming anyone for any of the things that happen in their lives. I don't, I don't blame any of the, any people, anything that happened in my life. There are times when I just need to be in sadness and tears and I need support and comfort and nothing else. And then you need to shift that energy. You could have stayed, Berenice, in this victim mode of I lost my job, I don't like where I live, which could have taken you deeper into despair and distress and your disorder. There were only two options going in that direction. Or saying, what do I do with this now? I, I don't have a job. 
what do I do? Okay, maybe I can move. Maybe I can this. Maybe I. So, you know, I I always think it's important to to point that out. It's not just luck or we're not a victim. It's what we do with whatever is presented to us. And that doesn't always mean it's easy. It's barely ever easy, especially when we're in distress. It doesn't come with discomfort. It's very uncomfortable. But you are moving, right? Exactly. That, that's what you did with that information. Yeah. Or experience, I apologize. <laughs> yeah, and it's that's one thing I'm really grateful for, resilience. I think I always had it because even at the worst of my eating disorders, I always knew deep inside that I would recover. And it was not something to boast or something from the ego saying, yeah, I will recover, you know? No, it was really like, I know it's going to happen. I don't know when, I don't know how, but I believe I'm going to recover. Now, I, and again, I apologize. There's so much information I keep <laughs> bouncing all over the place. What, what, what had you make the big leap and go to India and start studying yoga? And one of the things that, again, I loved in your paperwork that you wrote was one of the things you had to do was surrender to not having control over your food when you went to India. So talk about that experience. And that, that sounds like it was, it was an incredible shift in your life into, you know, you know, now doing yoga for your, your heart, your soul, your healing for yourself and others. Talk about that experience. You're talking about India and I literally had goosebumps. I'm like, oh my God, this experience. So I lost my job and I was open to anything. <laughs> I didn't know if I was going to stay in Sweden or not. And I just told my yoga teacher, uh, Sophia, she's called Very Sweet. And I told her, yeah, I lost my job. I, I think I'm going to leave Sweden. And she asked me, what are you going to do? Are you going back to France? And I said, I, I'm not sure. And then she said, yeah, maybe, maybe you could go to India and do a training. And my first answer was no. <laughs> I don't want to be a yoga teacher. I'm not going to India by myself as a young lady. It's super risky. Um, and I have to find a job, you know, that pays. That was my answer. And after a while, I was just like, what am I going to do? Like going back to France, stay at my parents and apply for jobs. And I felt like a big, you know, in my belly, you know, like the gut feeling, I like, don't do it. So I started to Google and to check online India, um, yoga trainings and all of that. And what I read was just people having amazing experiences. So Sophia gave me the details and within one month I booked everything, uh, the training, the flight ticket. I sold, you know, my belongings. I said goodbye to my friends and I flew to India in end of October, 2017. And I thought I would stay one month to do my training and then travel around India another month. What happened is that I stayed two months in Rishikesh at the same place. I completed my yoga training, but then I went on to train for Ayurveda, which is like the sister of yoga, the holistic medicine system in India. And two months, I went back for Christmas and then I went back to India for another four months because I felt I needed to stay longer there. And I also had the opportunity, you know, I was by myself, I was without a job, I still had some savings to support me, and I felt it was the right thing to do. As for food, 
I was just immersed in a culture where food is precious because it's not like you have a meal every day in front of you in India, where food is cooked with a whole philosophy. I mean, in the ashram slash school where I stayed, um, people just choose the cook based on how kind, how mindful they were. They really believe, for example, that if you cook with anger, people who are going to eat your food are going to feel angry. So that's how mindful they are about the whole food experience. It was extremely challenging because no control over the food. Uh, my eating disorder mind was telling me it was too much rice, too much carbs, not enough fat, too much fat. And yet I had to eat. And I couldn't run kilometers because, you know, there are no running trail in India. and You don't want to run in the traffic and the dust of the ground and the cows and the, just the cows so yeah little by little I was challenged and it was healing deeply healing yes it's actually so interesting when we think about that there are times when it's healthy that food is just fuel like I'm in between clients I have to eat my lunch it's it's literally just fuel it is not an experience it, it is what it is. And then there are times when we actually bring intention to the meal, to the cooking, to the process, to what it's actually going to do to nourish. And that's a really sacred, sacred experience. And it sounds like you were completely immersed in it to the point that, like you said, depending on the emotion somebody had when they were cooking it, it was going to, when you use the word transfer, that's not the right word, but for the sake of this, transfer to whoever ate that. That is that is really powerful when we think about it. Yeah. And it really planted the seed. You know that food is not only fuel, or sometimes it is, but it's much more than that. Um, and also they believe that the way you eat, they taught me in Ayurveda about the, digesti the digestive process, that digestion starts in your mouth. So just the way you chew your food, it's going to help your digestion or not. And during recovery, of course, I had massive digestive issues, you know, like bloated and constipation and all the not so glamorous things. <laughs> and Ayurveda helped. So it was also a big stepping stone for me to be in India to learn more about that and to give myself time to apply that because it's easy, easy to read a book and not to apply it. In India, I had to apply it. <laughs> yeah. It's also amazing that you you know, you were saying it, there's, there's quite a, a dichotomy there, if that's the right word. You know, you had so many digestive issues due to your eating disorder, which is very common, yet you listen to your gut, which is so interesting because your gut was probably all, you know, aggravated and angry and, ugh. but then your gut said, go to India, try it. This is the time. And you listen to it. So it's it just shows that that our bodies can can provide us with a lot of information and we can also, but we can also destroy it. And we can destroy the ability to listen to what we need through behaviors, whatever those behaviors are. Yeah. And the beauty of recovery is that I feel that if I am here today, being able to listen to myself, to connect to my intuition, most of the days, it's not perfect. Sometimes the mind takes over. I'm a human being. <laughs> 
but this ability to be mindful and aware of what's going on for me most of the time, it's thanks to the healing journey. Yeah. So I, I guess my, uh, my next question is, is do you recommend if somebody is going to be doing yoga therapy that they incorporate it also with talk therapy or do you not see a core? Like, I think the two connected are incredible. Um, I do worry sometimes in yoga therapy, if intense emotions come up and they don't have another therapist or support to talk to, like, so what's, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, the more support, the better. So absolutely, it's a beautiful combination. If you, if you can have a talking therapist, a yoga therapist, nutritionist or dietitian and a treatment team to support you, like, wow, <laughs> it's Christmas. Yeah. So yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. And we talk about that often. Like most of my clients have an entire team. They work with a dietitian and a therapist and a psychiatrist and a PCP and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we're all talking to each other. And, and it's true. Whatever you can bring in is, is so, so helpful. Yeah. And I feel the body aspect is so important because we've been trying to avoid to change. We've been hating our bodies. And yoga is really the path, the bridge to, to connect back with your body, you know, kind, respectful, and compassionate way, and to feel, yeah. Beautiful. Berenice, I'm so sad that we're, we're having to wind this episode up, but before we end, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you want to share with listeners? Anything you'd like to say? Well, for anyone listening and struggling, just keep going. Don't give up. Yeah, recovery is possible and uh, I believe you can do it. <laughs> I believe they can too. And, and this has been a wonderful, wonderful interview and I just want to thank you. So I look forward to, I actually, can you, I know people like they can go to show notes, but how do people find you? I don't normally ask that, but I just, I, I want people to look you up. You've got a beautiful, gentle soul that I think is very healing. Thank you, Karen. <laughs> so you can find me on YouTube. Uh, I used to share videos uh, for a couple of years, and it's Berenice Miles, so B-E-R-E-N-I-C-E, Miles, M-I-L-E-S. And I'm planning to release new videos, but more oriented for eating disorder recovery, actually. So some very gentle yoga practices for, for supporting one's journey. You can also find me on Facebook, uh, Berenice Mertens. Um, not very active on Instagram, but Facebook is a good platform for me. <laughs> so come and say hi, add me as a friend, and I'm super happy to connect. Fantastic. Bernice, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. All right, everyone, that does it for another episode of Recovery Bites. I look forward to speaking with each and every one of you next time. Take care and stay safe. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Recovery Bites. Be sure to visit recoverybitespodcast.com to join the conversation, access show notes, listen to past episodes, and more. You can also find us by searching for Recovery Bites on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and major podcast streaming players. 
For weekly episode releases, you can follow us at at Recovery Bites Pod on Instagram. If you're interested in becoming a guest on the show or to submit a guest request, please visit KarenLewisEDC.com forward slash podcast sign up to begin the process. I'd also like to send out a heartfelt thank you to my producer, Jen Galvin. It is unbelievable the magic she does behind the scenes. All right, everyone. See you next week for another Recovery Bite. Thanks for listening.